You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Nerds! Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. What's going on, everybody? Time for episode 75 of Justice Set Conversation. Crazy that we've gotten this far, uh, starting with episode one during the pandemic with David Murphy and then Derek Holland. We spoke with Al Whitley and Ken Rosenthal. Uh, we've had Hall of Famers, we've had former CIA operatives, we've had uh, award-winning athletes. Uh, it's been a fun journey. You can catch all the conversations on this channel. Uh, I'm excited to bring you kind of a combination of some of those titles. You got a, an award-winning athlete, a, a guy who uh, is someone who has accomplished stuff outside of the sports world, uh, in the uh, beverage world. We'll get to that. Plus, uh, he's the head coach of the UT Arlington men's basketball team. And that is Chris Ogden joining us for episode 75. Uh, thanks to Zach Rowe again for producing. Uh, thanks to you for tuning in. We'd really appreciate it if you would like, subscribe, comment, or just share the link. Uh, a little bit of work really goes a long way in supporting this project. Really, really would appreciate it. But here we go. Episode 75 of the Justice Set Conversation with the head coach of the UT Arlington men's basketball team, former University of Texas Longhorn standout player, Chris Ogden. All right, Chris. So the first thing that I always ask people, you take in whatever direction you'd like, but when you think back to your childhood, what are the things that stand out most to you? Just in my childhood in general? Yeah, just in general. <laughs> well, um, basketball's a big one. Uh, sports in general, just because I, I, I played it all, all growing up, football, basketball, or baseball, anything I could do, big part of my childhood. And, and then, um, uh, and then just where I came from, just small town uh, America, small town Texas. Uh, that, that's that's really what when I think about my childhood. It's really the small town and sports. What got you into sports, or, or what was it about sports that that hooked you and, and made you want to, you know, I guess create that as a passion? You know, I don't know. I, I think uh, the combination of the activity and competition of it. Um, um, you know, obviously my parents got me into sports early, but just probably wanted to get me out of the house and signing me up for whatever that, uh, could do to keep me active. But, uh, I still love to, uh, you know, I'm one of those guys, I don't, I don't like to work out. I never have, but I'll, I'll play games and compete all day. So, um, uh, it's just, it's just kind of the, the play, the spirit, the fun of sport. And then basketball specifically, you mentioned that, you know, you played all the sports. What was it about basketball, especially, you know, in Texas, a lot of people maybe go the football route, uh, but it, it seemed like basketball, obviously, just with your career, but but even before, uh, was a, a head above all the other sports. What was it about basketball? Yeah, um, you know, I was fortunate to grow up in a community that, that uh, even, even though Friday Night Lights was right down the road and football was big and all that stuff. I was, I was fortunate to grow up in a community where basket had a basketball tradition dating way before I was around. And, uh, so that was a big part of it. There were a couple coaches in my life that at a young age, seventh grade coaches, fifth grade, sixth grade that were really good. And, uh, 
um, and took an interest in me at that age. So they had a big part of it. And then, and then what I saw on TV and who I watched, you know, that was about the time that Jordan and uh, the end of Larry Bird's run and Magic Johnson. And so I was watching that on TV. And then, and then I was watching uh, from where I grew up, I was watching Texas Tech. And, uh, I don't know, just, just grew up with basketball. When when did you realize that? I mean, a lot of people play and love basketball. When did you realize that you were good at basketball to a level where this was something that could could take you places? Mm, probably starting around eighth, ninth grade when I started separating height wise from people, and um, and then as I started traveling the country on teams and camps and uh, putting my skill set against other. Kind of really, and my first love was football, and I still watch football. I still love football. Uh, I certainly loved playing at sixth, seventh, and eighth, sixth, uh, seventh, eighth, ninth grade. But uh, but it was right around there too that I realized basketball was probably going to be the ticket. And then what what was the recruiting process like? You were one of the you know the the, the probably the most heavily recruited players in the state. You, you know you were of that caliber, and you end up going to to UT. But what do you remember about that process? Was it an enjoyable process? Was it stressful? What What are the things that uh, stood out to you? Well, at first it, it was very enjoyable, and then it got very annoying. And these were the days before cell phones and things. So I'm, I can't imagine how kids feel now. But I remember uh, coaches calling me, telling my mom, telling them I'm not here and leaving the house, so that way I didn't have to talk to them all the time. But uh, but overall, it was it was neat. I mean, I took three visits to three different schools. I got recruited from a lot of a lot of schools across Texas and the country. And you know, anytime that you know that attention's great. And, fun and neat and, and, and it's and I've kind of gone back and dug through some old stuff and found some of the old recruiting material people used to send to me and very appreciative of it of it very appreciative of it now looking back was there a so you go to Texas and, and we'll get into that but was there a coach uh whom you got to talk to throughout that process where it's like holy crap like I just had a conversation with you know fill in the blank coach that that you just kind of remember to this day and maybe cherish that you know that interaction mm-hmm. um you know i never had the big big names like the shashevskis and those guys i never talked to them they i wasn't i wasn't good enough for, for the for the big big ones to recruit me um but but you know i certainly got letters from don haskins that was cool uh, there was certainly the coach at, you know, the coach at Texas tech at the time, James Dickey, I was in constant contact with, and, uh, uh, you know, coach Rick Barnes, obviously. And then, uh, as he just got to Texas from Clemson, and, um, you know, head coaches from A&M head coaches from USC and things like that. But, uh, yeah, so it was, it was neat all the way around just being, being a part of it. All right. So you go to Texas. What, what do you remember about, that decision and, and why Texas ended up being the, the right spot for you. And obviously you look at your resume, it, it seemed like it ended up being a, a really good choice, but before that all played itself out, why did you feel like that was the, the spot for you? Man, I, I, you know what? I, I think about this a lot. I get asked this a lot and, and, and I can't tell you, I mean, it really was at the end of the day, just gathering, processing a lot of information and just making the decision. Whatnot. I remember my parents sitting me down saying, all right, Hey, it's coming up signing day. We really need to talk about this. What do you want to do? What, what are you thinking? And I just said, I'm going to Texas. And and so now in hindsight, you know, I, I it, correct. I made the right decision. And I and I think there was a part of me that felt the the momentum of Rick Barnes getting there, and then the city of Austin, and just kind of the level at which they operated. So one of the things that I guess gets attached to 
Chris Ogden, the player, is he left Texas as the winningest player in, in program history. And, I, you know, I, I know some people maybe, you know, they strive to, you know, be first-team All-American or lead the, the conference in scoring or this or that. But uh, I, I don't know. Like, what what that seems like that's a pretty badass uh, accomplishment to, to be a part of those teams and, uh, and, and to contribute in that way. I, what was... No, when you think back to that, Chris Ogden, winningest player in, in program history, what are the things that kind of stand out to you about that? Well, it's it's funny. I mean, I I forget about that a lot. I really do until until things like this. So so it's you know every time I hear it uh, uh, and have hadn't thought about it in a while, which is the case right now, I'm like, damn, that's kind of cool. <laughs> uh, but but. Uh, um, you know, look, I was fortunate to be a part of some really, really good teams. Obviously, we, we advanced to the Final Four, and so that that, that says a lot about it. And, and uh, so a lot of really good teammates and players I played with and uh, just being a part of those teams. I mean, the the, the biggest memory of it all was uh, when we won an Elite, ga- elite Eight game in San Antonio to advance to the Final Four. I mean, the, the atmosphere there, the 30,000, 40,000 Texas fans in the, in the Alamo Dome, it was it was. It was really special, but but I think back to really the the teammates I played with. Who were some of the ones? I mean, and, and you played with with so many great players, but, but who were the ones that stood out to you that maybe had an impact on you or kind of wowed you or, or just they they evoke some sort of emotion or, or or feeling when you think back to your time then? Uh, teammate was yeah. Well. I mean, look. I mean, anytime you're a part of a really good uh, championship team, a team that advances to the Final Four and wins the conference, you, you, there's a bond that, all, that you all have. Uh, but but I roomed with with a guy named Drew Gresset, who we're still friends today, and and uh, Brian Boddicker and I were, were were I didn't like him in high school. We played against each other, but then we <laughs> became very became very good friends. I, I talked to T.J. Ford probably twice. Uh, you know, twice uh, a week sometimes, and Royal Ivy were were still close, and uh, the whole team has kind of reconnected a little bit. But but uh, but those guys I just named are guys that I had a deep bond with, and still to this day talk, talk frequently to. I okay, so you mentioned the Final Four. That that's I mean, March Madness to me is one of the the neatest sporting events. Uh, it, it's almost like this combination of like high level basketball but it takes you back to like your your amateur days or i guess as a kid where you play in these tournaments because most you know most of these things they're serious mm-hmm. you know the it, but this is it's just a totally different experience and the gym clears yeah. out after one game and you know when when one team's fan base leaves you know in the early rounds and whatnot but i it, it's it's interesting because i don't know that there's another sporting event where like getting to the semifinals is such an ordeal but there's such a this amazing yeah. accomplishment yeah. about the final four and, and <laughs> what I don't like what you, you touched on that run, but what was like, when you think back to that run, what was so special about and what, I mean, so many great college players never get to the final final four. A lot of teams don't make it cause they get upset along the way. So what, I mean, gosh, that's, that just seems like so awesome. And I imagine, uh, you know, that maybe even as time has passed, you appreciate it a little more. I, I don't know, but what do you, when you think back to that run, what, what stands out? Well, I say this a lot. I, I, I think I wish every single player could experience going to a Final Four. And I say that because what it does is it validates, or, or even a deep run in the NCAA tournament, Sweet 16 Elite Day, because what it does is it validates all the other hard dog days of it. 
and you're like, you know what, this is worth it. And uh, just a neat, neat time when you're with your team, and you're in a hotel, and you're going to the media days, and you, you win that first game, and the day in between, and it's, and then you know, and then as you keep your first and second round are awesome and cool, and then you advance the Sweet 16 Elite Eight, it's even a bigger deal, and the more media is there, and the better the the crowd is, and then you go to Final Four, it's the same thing, and it's just all eyes on those four teams that weekend in your sport, and it makes everything else worth it. So nowadays. And, and these are like NCA approved, but it seems like you get like some swag or whatever when you uh, make the tournament. W- was that a thing when you were playing? Like, did you guys get some sweet headphones or? Oh yeah. Okay, so th- was that like a? I mean, your 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 kids then, relatively speaking, like I, obviously the magnitude of the the competition is huge. But was it sweet to be able to get that stuff uh, just for getting to the tournament and whatnot? It was awesome. It was really cool. You got to pick a gift. Uh, they gave you stuff when you're there. When you go to Final Four, they give you all these hats and things. Uh, so it's neat, and I still have a lot of it. Uh, you know, one thing that, that I'm, I'm sad they went away from is used to when you made the NCAA tournament, every player would get a watch. So I had all these NCAA tournament watches, and then at some point they just stopped, and they started giving you a plaque. I don't want a damn plaque. <laughs> the watches were pretty cool. I never, I never worn them. But it was pretty neat that you have these watches for every time you're in a tournament. They kind of stopped that. Uh, and then the net. Did you, did you get a? I guess you. Man, you had... man, oh. that's the one. That's the one. I, 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 I can't find the piece of net I had, and I'm not happy about it. Oh no! But you, okay, so you did get a piece at one point. At the Elite Eight net, yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, is, was there a game? Just curious. Last thing about the Final Four: the run you guys made. Uh, was there a game that stood out uh, along the way? Because it's obviously, as people know, I mean, you you can be a high seed and and play a low seed, but like it just it, because it's a one and done thing, the intensity of each game is uh, is incredible. What, I mean, I, I just looking at your run, was there was there one that that well, jumped out? They're all, they're all tough. I mean, the first game against you to Greensboro, you know, it wasn't like we just blew it out from the beginning. You kind of kind of worked through the kinks of, of that. And then it, I think Purdue, we were down four at half or up four, really tight. And finally we just kind of worked it. But then the biggest, the one that I remember the most is the Michigan State Elite Eight game. And, and it is because they were so good. We were good. But it got down to a point where our best player, TJ Ford, our national player of the year, had four fouls and had to sit down. And Terrell Ross, uh, a guy that, that, that played every game, but but he had to play a little bit longer this game than usual because of TJ's foul trouble. Made two unbelievable plays, held the fort for a minute while Michigan State kind of made a run and a push at us, and then we were able to pull away. So that that game really sticks out. All right, you you mentioned I think I read that you know early on in your time at Texas, maybe you had the realization that you know a long NBA career was not in the cards. Uh, what was that moment like? Uh, because I mean, you got to live out the the dream. You know, I think like a lot of kids. You know, I, I at one point I wanted to play in the NBA, but you know, early on in my life, I realized that wasn't going to happen. But for you to to get to that level and then maybe have that realization, was that a tough thing to come to terms with, or was it just an easy hey, like you know, I've I've had a hell of a ride, and you know, I now I got to figure out what's next. Uh, you figured out towards the end of your career, junior, senior year. That's not the case. Uh, and then I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not even sure I knew I was getting into coaching. I didn't, in fact. 
Um, I, I, I thought I would go do something else. I, I wasn't really thinking the playing route even overseas. Uh, but and then I just, I just kind of stumbled into coaching really uh, by just having some classes to finish up for my degree. Um, Coach Barnes asking me to stay around, just kind of help work out the guys in some capacity, and I did. Next thing you know, it just kind of flowed into here I am now, still coaching. What what was it about coaching? Like what 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 drew you? What kept you? Because you've had a lot of different roles. Obviously, now you're you're leading a program, but you you kind of had to climb the ladder and, and take on yep. all the different responsibilities. Well, I did, always always what has um, intrigued me about coaching is the same thing that ultimately. I love the most about the game of basketball and it's the locker room and all the different backgrounds and stories from each individual player. And then that somehow coming together for this unbelievable bond and, and, um, you know, team. And I just, I just have always loved it. Not even when I couldn't even explain it. Um, but just the stories and the backgrounds and the cultures that come together, it just fascinates me. And that's, that's, ultimately what i like about coaching and gosh I, I feel you mentioned that your your uta teams i feel like have been a you know a, a, a geography class with some of the guys that you've had is there oh, yeah. is there a a country or a culture that you've learned a ton about that you never in your wildest dreams would have thought that you'd have any clue about you know from a teammate or a guy you've coached whether you know with uta or uh you know your 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 journey along the way with your various stops well, right now I'm, I'm learning. I'm learning about uh, Africa uh, from Patrick Mwamba, who's from the Congo, and uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking in or in and um, uh, uh, learning about reading, researching about uh, this. It's called Ubuntu. Uh, it's a it's a way of life, Ubuntu way of life, and it's a way it's a way that people support and treat. Uh, or it's 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 about humanity and how people treat each other and how it's a very unselfish. Uh, way of living in humanity over there and uh, villages and people come together to so to, to, to practice Ubuntu anyway um, so I'm learning a lot about that right now and what made me even inquire about it to start was I saw Doc Rivers talking about it um, as they as they adopted it when he was with the Celtics in their championship run he knew nothing about it but uh, anyway so I ended up asking Patrick and Wamba on our team about it, and he's very familiar with it. So now uh, we're learning it together. And uh, I, I, once I get it down, I want to teach the team about it. That's awesome. And you know, I, I guess I'm curious. Uh, you mentioned the different types of, of players, and, and, and basketball has become such a global sport. And I don't know if this is a part of that or not. But you know, we talked about you getting recruited earlier. And now. And you've had roles, you know, kind of heading up the recruiting. And now, you know, as you mentioned, you're running a program. What, what's the biggest difference between recruiting now uh, versus recruiting when you were the one getting recruited? Social media. Uh, it's social media, not, not, not even close. Um, even when I first got into coaching, social media wasn't around, especially as heavily as it is now. But just that piece, the social media piece, uh, the communication, the forms of communication from simple as text to direct message to even, you know, communicating with people on Xbox games. <laughs> so it's <laughs> it's just all that's changed. All right. So one of the things, one of the first things I was told about you, the, the first time I did a UT Arlington game, 
in, you know, it's customary for people who aren't familiar for, you know, a broadcaster to, to maybe speak to, uh, you know, a yeah. coach. And I was told that I had to work around, you know, we had to wait, you, you do your yoga and we had a, you know, when he, when he finishes his yoga and, and whatnot. So, uh, is that something you still do? Is that like a, a, a part of your game day routine or, or how did you kind of like, I guess, what's the relationship with yoga? Yeah. Um, it is something I still do. I have, uh, gotten out of the routine of it here lately, but, but, but am telling myself I'm going to get back into it. Um, uh, it is something I usually do, uh, even if it's just for 20 minutes, um, on game day. Um, I got into it at in Austin, um, and just as a way to stay flexible and, and, uh, I just liked the way it felt on my body. Um, and wish I had done it my whole playing career. Uh, and then as I got into it and kept doing it, and I've done it for a number of years now, um, I've started to understand the mental side of it, the balance and the center and the peace and the breathing. Um, and so I'm trying to challenge myself on on uh, on the yang side of things, I guess, if you will. And then the other thing I was, I was told – before I ever met you and, and surely you won't remember this, but I think a 90% of our first ever conversation was about music, uh, huh. and that you're a, you're a big music fan. So, I mean, I know a lot of people listen to music, but, but yeah. what, you know, who are your favorites and, and what, I mean, I, I feel like music's such a big part of the basketball culture, whether it's, you know, warm up music or in the locker room, Huge. but what, yeah, what, I mean, how, how would you describe your relationship with music? Whew, man, um, um, well, you know, I, growing up in small town West Texas and growing up with just, you know, your prime country, uh, uh, red dirt country, but then also being involved in basketball and traveling and now uh, hip hop being such a big part of uh, the basketball community. And um, I have a real love for, for those two genres, uh, uh, rap, hip hop, hardcore and country. And anything in between, you got to be really good, catchy. You got to get me vibing some way, somehow. Otherwise, I, I, I stick right there. So it's, it's, it's this uh, opposite end of the spectrum deal with what I really like. And like you said, with basketball and music, they they do go hand in hand. Uh, and and even furthermore, I think I think you can use music to teach basketball because basketball eventually is about rhythm and balance. And if you can find the right rhythms within music to help teach. Now I haven't, I've done this a little bit with my team, not fully because I don't really know what I'm talking about, but <laughs> I believe music and basketball go hand in hand. And so, you know, music's a big part of everybody's life. I think first or, or, or person you haven't seen, are you a big concert guy? Like I know some people love music, but they don't necessarily go to shows. You, do you try to get out to shows? You know, I do. Yes, I, I don't. I don't love the concert. I don't love the, the the live music scene as much, unless it's a real intimate setting. I love those kind uh, where it's not overly crowded. Otherwise, I don't. I don't love the concert feel. Hey, is there a musical artist who's had like an impact on your life? Either like their their album helped you get through a challenging time or you just love the you know the the message i i don't know i you know i guess everyone kind of approaches it differently is there an artist though that's kind of had that sort of place for you huh um well i think uh jay-z um i've listened to most every one of his albums um 
dating back, you know, long time, you know, way back when, big pimping and and all that, and and and. So Jay Z, I've always liked his music. I've always loved his storytelling. His four 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 album, um, a lot of young people probably don't like, but 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 I love because it's 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 deep older man stuff, and uh, found it very fascinating. And then Willie Nelson. I mean, anytime I, I I get the free spirit and need to need to get out of town or or just need a little uh, outlaw energy, I, I tune on Willie Nelson and Waylon Jennings. So I'd say Jay Z, Willie, and Waylon. All right. Chris, you're married. Uh, you're a dad. You we're gonna get into a, a non basketball related uh, venture that you uh, you've kind of taken on. But how how is your coaches talking about you know sleeping in their office and uh, you know just being working round the clock? You know whether it's in season or recruiting out of season, and you know it, it's obviously that's a grind. Uh, how do you? How do you have a life while also feeling like you're fully committing to your job? Well, um, look, I've had my moments where I've slept in offices and and and, and done that. There's there's no doubt, and most everybody on my staff has as well. Um, just part of it. Uh, uh, but as I've grown, I've managed my time a little bit better. But you know, you sacrifice. I mean, certainly time with my family sacrifices. Um, um, and, but they're, they're, you know, they're very understanding. They're, they're great with it. And, uh, um, but, but I also think, you know, technology and whatnot has allowed coaches not to have to do that as much, um, uh, just, just because the forms of communication and, and things like that. But, uh, you know, it's a grind, but if you're doing something you love and you're, you're around something you love, then, then you um, you don't necessarily see it, see it as a grind. The time, the time almost flies by. Uh, all right, so nine band whiskey. Uh, mm-hmm. This uh, not I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong here, but I, I can't imagine there are too many people in your position that also uh, are involved in in that space or even just involved in any other space, but. Uh, you uh, and and a buddy and and I think there's a, a third person involved uh, started a, a, a whiskey company, uh, whiskey label brand. I, I don't know what the the proper word would be, but uh, yeah. um, I know I've had it, uh, and I know that uh, you know it's it, it's obviously it's caught on. I know that the goal was you know to be Austin's whiskey, and, mm-hmm. and how did that all start? And and how much fun has that been for you? It's just kind of a a, a non-basketball way to, to pour in, you know, some passion and emotion. Yeah, it's been all, I mean, it's look, it's been awesome and interesting and, and, uh, uh, it, 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 how it started was just a simple question and an idea, uh, that I raised to, uh, to a couple of friends of mine around, uh, around a kitchen table. We were at our, there's three of us. Uh, there, there's me and my, my best friend from college. And then, a a female friend of ours that lives in Austin. And we were, uh, in her kitchen one night, you know, barbecuing around, having a couple pops, whatever, whatever. And the, you know, I raised the question and then started the conversation of, of why isn't there a real whiskey of Texas? Why isn't there one of Austin? Why hasn't somebody done what Tito has done with vodka. And from there, we just kind of researched, started moving. And 
And then now it's become, it's really the story of the, of, of nine Bandit is really about three friends coming together and then just slowly building a company, um, and, and a, and a whiskey brand. And it's been awesome because it's also taught me a little bit of CEOing, uh, before I was actually the head coach here. And, um, uh, I am not active, uh, in the company on a day-to-day basis or my co-founder runs it as the CEO, but, but, uh, but we just, you know, it's, we've, we've grown over time. We've, we've had our ups, we've had our downs, we've, we've persevered and, and we've, we're just, we're just trying to make a really smooth, approachable, well-priced bourbon for people to drink. And, and we 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 think we're getting there. We think our juice is really really good. Our water is as pristine as it comes, and uh, which 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 makes what what we think a real smooth finish. And, and uh, anyway, we've just kind of evolved this business, evolved this bourbon over time to to where we think we're the we're the best bourbon in Texas. Well, I, I'm curious. You, you know, you talked about the challenges. What is the is there one that sticks out where you know, like a, a challenge that came up and and you know, being able to work around it or overcome it or, or whatever the, you know, the, the best way to describe it would be that that was like really gratifying and rewarding just being a, a an entrepreneur and, and, and winning that, that battle. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, there's been many, but, 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 but uh, a couple that really stand out the, the, the first one is our original label, our original label. We were excited about, we liked, you know, boom. Yeah. We thought we were onto something. Well, we get it all printed. We get, we get the bottles out there. And then when you're sitting in a bar and you look back, to, it's hard to find ours. It was too dark. It didn't stand out. We started really looking at it, just the contrast. It just kind of blended in. So we, uh, from our first label to what it is now um, is, is, is a big pivot, a big difference. So, uh, so that was one of the first one of, of kind of having to move and, and change, change everything. And, and, uh, uh, and then, you know, a couple of things with the product here and there. I mean, what, what, what we thought we were doing with the product early on and what we thought was good. Now looking back was not, <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, we've had, we've had, you know, certain problems with, um, you know, where, where, where we, uh, you know, had to recall some bottles, labels were put out wrong, or whatever it may be, right? So it was just, uh, it's just been an interesting, um, it's been an interesting, you know, it, it, it's it's two things for me. It's it's a business that, that I'm learning how to, you know, that helps me in CEOing and running the program. But then it's also like this hobby in the sense of this creative outlet for me because, I get to I get to not think about basketball and think creatively about that, you know, uh, to get away from this for a little bit. I don't golf really. Um, I don't, you know, I don't I don't have a lot of hobbies. Uh, but entrepreneurship has kind of become a hobby. So, did you have any like I? This is kind of an embarrassing story. When I was in school, I was nervous that broadcasting wouldn't work out, and I was putting all my eggs in that basket. And I added an entrepreneurship minor, but I didn't know what an entrepreneur was when I signed up. I mean, I, I, I think five minutes into my first class I did. And it was so rewarding because, Chris, like I, that, I wasn't wired that way. And I was around these kids. It was, it was fascinating because you had kids who like, you learn quickly. 
it, it's not necessarily how smart you are. Like, it, it, you know, right. the, 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 the four O students aren't necessarily best fit for this. Like I, I was Correct. a good student, but like I, I, one of the, gosh, a kid that, uh, actually from that class, cause one of the challenges of the minor was to actually start a business by the time he graduated, he, yeah. you know, he was a partier and probably, uh, he, he did, <laughs> he dropped out. But like he was familiar with the rave scene and started this massive company that that, you know, was was all based on his familiarity with the rave scene and what the needs and, and what kids liked and whatnot. And like but this was not someone that like your mom or dad would want you to hang out with necessarily, like based on their. <laughs> but like it was fascinating to me because it just showed like some some people just they're able to think in a way or, or, or develop the way to think like an entrepreneur. Were you. Was this something that came naturally in that sense, or did you feel like you were a fish out of water and had to to kind of work your way towards that? Well, let me tell you this. I wasn't a great student. I didn't even know what the word entrepreneur really meant until probably about five years ago. And um, uh, and I had taken really no business classes or anything like that. But I'd always been idea guy, this, that, whatever. Uh, some have accused me of partying a little bit, which I, I call friendly. And uh, uh, so it just, the, 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 the mindset or, or the entrepreneurial spirit, I guess, came naturally to answer your question. But I felt like a fish out of water with the lingo and things like that, where I've just kind of sat back and listened and tried to learn it on the fly and try to pretend I know what I'm talking about when I really don't. So it's kind of both of those. All right. I, what I, I, I guess leadership is is something that's pertinent for whiskey and, and, and your pursuits there, obviously, with coaching. I, I'm curious, what in your mind uh, is important for a, a, a leader to understand or demonstrate? Um, well... It's important to demonstrate um, confidence as much, even when you when you're not confident, which is which is ninety nine percent of the time. <laughs> so you've got you know you've got to you've you've got to act like you have a plan, even when you don't. Sometimes, <laughs> right? So 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 that's a, that's a that's a big that's a big piece of it um, that that I learned is is in both entrepreneurship and coaching basketball it's i mean i mean look I, i'm essentially running a company here uh, uh with uta basketball right it's a it's a brand it's a business there's, there's all sorts of things that go into it. it i'm putting together a team and ultimately it all gets down to the people the people you hire the people you recruit well you go over to nine banded it's the same thing we're putting together a team it's about the people there's the brand piece, you're growing a brand. I mean, there's so many things that helped me. You know, things with Nine Bandit helped me organize and compartmentalize with basketball things. Basketball helped me early on with Nine Bandit when we were just uh, just kicking down doors, not knowing what we're doing, going a hundred miles an hour, not asking questions. You know, that was that was I, there was a lot of influence there from coaching and recruiting. That's kind of what you got to do it early on. So. Um, so they really it's 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 been interesting it's been this interesting learning uh bounce back and forth a little bit is there you spent so much time with Rick Barnes uh 
what's the biggest takeaway from him in, in, in the, the, the biggest thing where someone saw you and, and they were a fly on the wall as a coach, you know, they're like, yeah, that's, that's a Rick Barnes influence. Um, well, what I want it to be is, is the way we re- rebound the basketball, but we haven't got it. We haven't got it there yet. Um, um, but, but I think, I think you, you, you would see the individual development, uh, the way we buy into the individual development, the way we dive into individual players getting better, the way we believe our individual development gives them a chance to follow their dream and make their life better basketball. That right there is, is something that, that people would really, uh, correlate the two, uh, me with Rick Barnes. All right, and then with with whiskey, do you, are you a whiskey straight? How do you like what what's like your perfect drink? Well, so we have two products. We have, we have a weeded bourbon and a straight bourbon. Uh, uh, my 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 drink of choice right now is to actually put the weeded bourbon in in the freezer and leave it, and and just store it there, and and then you know take a pour pour you a little drink and have a little sip when it's really ice cold. I, I need so neat but chilled. As is my, uh, after that, it's, I, I like one cube, still neat. And then if I'm going to mix it, I go with, uh, like a Topo Chico. And then I decide whether it's a lemon, a lime, an orange, a grapefruit, whatever you're feeling that day. And then if, if a coach, if you have a coach in your staff who's not a fan of Nine Bandit, are they, is that like they're, they're out? Like it's, nah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we don't, no, 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 no. We don't, we don't, we don't pressure anybody to drink anything they want to drink. Eat anything they don't want to eat. Nah, it's just but 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 you still gotta bring energy. Well, there you go. That was the big seven-five episode seventy-five with Chris Ogden. There aren't many uh, Division One college basketball coaches, or maybe uh, college coaches of any kind, who have a, a side hustle in the alcohol industry. It was really cool hearing uh, Chris talk about that and. Uh, his experiences there. Hopefully you enjoyed the conversation. Thanks to Zach Rowe for producing. Thanks to you for tuning in. Until next time, stay safe, be healthy. We'll talk to you later.